Welcome to Kitchen Table, candid conversations about sex, relationships, and being human. I'm Brittany Policastro. And I'm Nick Antony, and today we're talking to Elizabeth Cunningham about the world of polyamory. Hey, Nick. Hey, Brittany. How are you feeling today? Oh, you know. <laughs> Wait, so can we... I know, <laughs> but I figured it'd be a good moment to, to check to in. To share everyone, with everyone what you're struggling with. <laughs> well, I'm not fully, like, but like, yeah, where, where you are currently in this moment. I feel challenged. Why is that? Because today I've been struggling with what I kind of know to be true about a particular experience in my life and or moment that I have like a decision I needed to make. And I knew like what I had to do, but I was doubting myself because there was a part of me that if I followed through with what I really kind of needed to do, that I was kind of failing in a way. And so, yeah, I made the decision to honor like what was coming up and to be in relationship with that and acceptance of that and to know that I can still kind of move forward and do what I want to do. And it feels really uncomfortable. Hmm. <laughs> but I commend you for being able to make that decision. I mean, in terms of life and, and specifically our topic today, it requires yeah. a lot of decision making. It really does. And clarity and some discomfort. I mean, like with a lot of things in life, like sometimes you're going to have ups and downs. There are going to be waves that exist throughout all the things. Yeah. And I was in this seminar, this training, and the speaker said that like decision-making when we have to make a decision and, and we just like stay tangled in, in the decision and in the processing of it, that it drains our energy. Absolutely. And it just like kind of sucks us dry. And so we just need to keep kind of moving forward in decision. Interestingly enough, the decision I made was kind of away from, <laughs> away from that a little bit. But yeah, I, I think that we just, we need to be in, when we're in decision, like we need to kind of trust like what's going coming through yes yes like acknowledging how we're feeling acknowledging it like if your heart's telling you something and your mind's like oh this doesn't feel right you should probably be listening like mm-hmm. and yes fear is powerful powerful enough to do this and immobilize yes. us but absolutely there is something that comes from being able to push through that and making the decisions that feel right for where you are in this moment Yeah. And I just, I want to kind of push back on something you said about if your heart says something and your mind says something else. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, because you were kind of saying, listen to your mind and not your heart there. (laughs) And so I think, you know, I think they're all different parts of ourselves. And I think that if there's something that's pushing like against us, that it's just worth listening to and dropping into and getting curious about. Sure. Yes. I can hold that. Yeah. But yeah, so we didn't even, well, we mentioned before, but what are we talking about today? We're talking about polyamory, yo. <laughs> Get ready for some stories. Oh. I, I'm pretty sure we're going to, we're gonna, this is going to be a fun one because we love to talk about polyamory. I, I could honestly talk about polyamory like indefinitely. Just, yeah, like all day. <laughs> just, I, I, inside of that though is uh, just like relationship dynamics in general. Mm-hmm. Just, mm, this. Yeah. Give it to me all day long. I'm, I'm usually that friend people call up to be like, "You are, yo, what's up?" I said this, and he said that. I was just like, "No, <laughs> you should not do that, and you should not go there, and you should <laughs> pick yourself first. Like it's just, yeah, like you have to listen to yourself. Absolutely, which is basically the theme of this little intro. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's do it. Let's talk about polyamory. Polyamory. Woo. <laughs> Welcome to Kitchen Table, candid conversations about sex, relationships, and being human. I'm Brittany. I'm Nick. And today we are talking to Elizabeth Cunningham, 
And we're talking about polyamory, so we are excited. Familiar. I'm familiar <laughs> with this topic. Okay, so let's hear about Elizabeth. Elizabeth Cunningham is a life coach and love coach who helps people in polyamorous relationships overcome fear, jealousy, and shame to create new love and strengthen existing partnerships. She has been working in the field of gender, sexuality, and relationships since 2011 and has been a certified transformational life coach with a full-time business since 2020. Her absolute favorite part of coaching people in their relationships is when they share how they are able to have conversations and build connection and relationships in polyamory where they were previously stopped or stuck. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hello. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here. I'm so excited. We are excited to have you. We're excited to be talking about a topic that is quite near and dear to our hearts and relevant to our lives. Yeah, yeah. I feel very cozy in this space for sure. <laughs> I do. It's so good. Okay, so, well, first of all, Kitchen Table, <laughs> our name of this podcast is based on a polyamorous concept kitchen table polyamory. And so we'll talk about what that is. And so really, I want us to just dive into all the things because, you know, I think there's a mix of people that listen to us that are polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous. And then there's people that are like, ooh, that's interesting. I want to hear more about that. And then there are people who are like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and I want to welcome all of them into this conversation. All you, of them. Like, you don't have to be polyamorous to to learn about this because the thing about polyamory, and I'm sure you will touch on this, Elizabeth, is the thing about polyamory is that you can learn so much about how to be in any kind of relationship. Oh yeah, 100%. One of my favorite comments to get on my Instagram is like, doesn't this apply to all relationships? It's like, yes. <laughs> yes. Like, actually, yes, it does. <laughs> Yes. You are 100% correct. You get a gold star for the day. Like seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm constantly saying that in terms of people who are monogamous or if I'm like on a dating app and someone's like brand new to the idea of non-monogamy or polyamory. And I'm just like, there's so, I don't condemn monogamy, but there's so much to learn. There's so many lessons within polyamory that will be useful for mm -hmm. people in monogamous spaces or any relationship that you're in. This level of communication you have to do is just, it's some other, like this grad school level communication. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, sure. my God. It is absolutely grad school level communication. Yes, 100%. I have a joke about polyamory. The five rules of polyamory are that you, one, always talk about polyamory. Two, always talk about polyamory. Three, always talk about polyamory. Four, always talk about polyamory. And finally, five, spoiler alert, always talk about polyamory. I, I for sure thought I, at some moment that was going to be a rest. At the top one. Yeah. <laughs> or I thought it was going to be like, have copious amounts of sex. And she got me. Even at the end, I was like, What's the last I was, one? I was, I was on this. I was like, what's going to be? It's going to be rest. No, it's probably ever. <laughs> I almost had it. I almost had it. I was that close. I was so... Well, I, will, I do have a question about that. This is like, we're going like right in before we like okay. find out what this means. But uh, let me ask that question first. And then we'll kind of get into like, what's the difference between polyamory and where the different umbrellas and ethical non-monogamy. But to that, also work with clients sometimes that, that are polyamorous or moving into that or 
Interestingly enough, I've worked with a handful of clients who one person is still monogamous for all intents and purposes and the other is opening up the relationship. I find that within it, we absolutely have to be talking, but there's also the moment where people, and this is for any subject really, where I find that they're just like spinning and like talking about it and talking about it and talking about it in a way that like, you guys need to take a break and take a knee and go like eat a popsicle or go for a walk because you're just triggering the shit out of each other and you're not resolving anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you find that that happens as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, kind of to use the colloquial like phrase of just like, you know, don't beat a dead horse, right? Where it's just, okay, like, yeah, go on a walk take a break, do something that you love, you know, get yourself out of that headspace. And that also like has, you know, links to just psychology as well, where you can't, you know, solve a problem in the same headspace that the problem has been created. So sometimes actually doing something different is actually a really great tactic to having healthy conversations go do something separately or do something together that you know that you really, really, really enjoy and like take your mind completely off of it, pull yourself out of that space and to, in order to be able to have that conversation. So yes, talk about polyamory and talk about polyamory in a way that works. (laughs) For you. Yes, absolutely. I agree because, and, and again, I think that that what we just talked about could be applied to anyone in any kind of relationship, which we're probably going to be saying a lot because uh-huh. right? we can get obsessive about needing something to be solved. And I think mostly what's happening in those moments is that we just want to be seen and heard and really feel acknowledged. And sometimes it's like, we are the ones that need to acknowledge ourselves in those moments. Oh my God, yes. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Even the Gottman Institute, the Mecca of relationship, you know, knowledge, of our problems actually can't be solved. Like, sorry, spoiler alert. (laughs) 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 Like, sometimes the reason we're spinning our wheels is because there actually isn't a solution. And I think that not, no despair because, you know, something that you said was really perfect where most of the time we really just want to be heard and understood. And I think that that's where we get lost in arguments or in places where we disagree is like when we disagree, we're like, oh, well, the only way to move forward is to agree about this thing. And that's actually not true. Like what is actually most true is that We want to understand the other person and we want to be understood by that person because you can still hold space and love and can, I love so many people that I just don't agree with, you know, and we still have amazing, beautiful relationships and it's because agreeing isn't the point. Understanding each other is the point. Solutions is not the point. Understanding each other is the point. Holding space for each other is. And accepting each other. I feel like people lost in the energetics of needing to understand rather than operating out of compassion. The compassion feels more important to me than understanding somebody. Like, mm. It just does. Like we're constantly trying to battle. Like, I don't. People who are on this side, are like I don't get it. And people who are looking for just a, a seat at the table are saying, "This is happening to me." <laughs> like there's harm happening in this space, and all we can do is, "Oh, work that's happening to you." 
okay, I don't have that experience, but if it's happening to you, it's happening. I need mm-hmm. to validate that. Your experience is valid just as much as mine is. And I also think our system capitalistically reinforces this idea of winning, needing to win in the argument, needing to like, all right, if you're winning in an argument, mm, I'm sorry, that's not going to hold up <laughs> for the long term in a relationship at all. So uh, yeah. What do you think about that, Brit? I love it. I mean, I think this is fun. <laughs> like, oh, we're, this is good. I think that there's value in both. I hear like what Elizabeth you're saying is that when I hear like needing to be understood, I go to like that seen and heard. I do think that a lot of disconnection happens in relationships or in relating to someone because we're not feeling that or, or we're not feeling that the person is at least trying to understand us. And then, you know, speaking from personal experience, that can create a lot of unsafety, you know, feeling unsafe for me. You know, once I feel unsafe, then it's like a whole, you know, that there's the trigger and there's the attachment of that anxious attachment and all of those things that come through. And so a lot of that I oftentimes see, even with you and I, is like, I'm triggered right now because I don't feel seen and yeah. heard, right? And I think that that's kind of this, it capsulates that being understood. Mm-hmm. And then when you say compassion, what I hear is like empathy is like, that's how you're feeling or that's your experience. How can I have empathy for you? And I think that, that falls into the category of understanding. And I think that this is so, so, so perfect because this is like, for an example, like let's say we're having this conversation not on a podcast, but we're having this conversation because we're like creating a relationship together. And I say something like, well, I think it's really important to be understood. And, you know, you say something, you know, that it's important to be validated. Okay. What does understood mean to me? Mm-hmm. What does understood mean to you? What does validated mean to you? What does validated mean to me? So that way we're on the same page because what I heard and what you said was that, oh, we're at, we're talking about the same thing, but we're using a different word. Oh, that is so good, Elizabeth. Good. I'm good. so glad that you brought that up. Because mm-hmm. then again, and I love, oh my God, I love that you brought this up too with the needing to win or like needing to be right about something. And I think that, you know, capitalism aside, like, you know, I think that as humans, we have this need to like, we have polarities, right? Like if we're right about something and you're wrong about something, like I'm better at this and you're worse at this, whatever. And you do, you kind of have to give that up. You just have to be like, no, actually we're working towards a common goal or we're on the same team. Or if I'm right and you're wrong, like how are we creating like a winning relationship? Like what is that? Like we're not. And I love that you brought that up that because I think that that is one of the things that has people be the most stuck in conversations is that need to win or need to be right about something rather than being like, okay, how are we understanding one another? What's the common goal here? Someone who we had on the podcast, she's a colleague. We do a lot of work together. Dr. Timory Schmidt, she is a PhD level sexologist, sex educator. She says that we're not two lawyers in a boardroom. Mm -hmm. Like you and your partner are not two lawyers trying to like settle a dispute. Like you are, we are in collaboration. We are on the same side in relationships. And I think when we can remember that we are on the same side, Uh (laughs) then it's like, oh yeah, we are moving towards, we both just have needs that need to be met. And when we can get clear on what those needs are and recognize that there's lots of different ways to meet one need, yes, you know, and this is a little NVC, like nonviolent communication, but like the need and there's a strategy. And most people are like, 
clinging to the strategy. I need a hug right now. And it's like, well, what if you don't want to give me a hug, which like would never happen. But what if you didn't want to give me a hug? Give you hug all day, every day, anytime. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, but like, if you were like right now, like I can't give you a hug, you know, I could be like, okay, well, what, what is actually the need that I have in needing that hug? Is it to feel safe? Is it physical touch? Like, what is it? Right. And, and then I can be like, okay. Well, I can't, instead of like being like, no, 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 I need the hug and trying to like manipulate my way or cajole my way into getting the hug, I could say, okay, well, really, it's just, I need to feel safe right now. Like, can you hold my hand? Any physical contact? Can, you know, can we sit back to back? Like whatever it is, right? <laughs> and it's probably not going to be around a hug, right? But it, it most definitely for couples or people is about sex mm. <laughs> and what they want in the bedroom and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I hear you saying, Elizabeth, is that, yeah, it's like, we got to work this shit out together. <laughs> yeah, we could have literally two different definitions. We, we have, we're saying the same thing. I have two different definitions and I have different definition and you have different definition. Mm -hmm. I need to understand what your definition is. And I want you to understand what my definition is. Mm -hmm. Then you want to process that and mix it into a bowl with all the bullshit that's happened to you in life. And then you want to be like, oh, I see. This is going to make some cupcakes. This is going to be good. <laughs> and I just felt so proud. I was like, yes. <laughs> cupcakes. Yeah, that's it. I, I love it. And I, I see like chocolate cupcakes with strawberry frosting. Swirls. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I love that so much. Okay. Also like to make that like super real, like one of the things that my partner and my nesting partner and I, we have a lot of different ways that we say things like words click very differently with us, which is so interesting that we are living together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just like constantly finding out like how words mean different things to both of us. But one of the things was just just the question, how are you? I come home and I'm like, hey, how are you? Oh, fine, good, whatever. And I'm like, I need more. I need more words. I need to interact. And like, and then this was kind of like a, a several month long process, but I'll condense it down into like 30 seconds. <laughs> but it went from like, okay, I'm really frustrated that they don't answer the question, how are you? Like, I feel like a mother who's like trying to pry things out of their child after school. And <laughs> I've seen that happen. It's not yeah. pretty. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay. And then I was just like, okay, well, and then I got curious. I was like, okay, why don't you answer this question? Like I ask you how you are. You don't seem interested in telling me like, are we cool? Are we good? Like, why are you not answering this question? And they're like, oh, I just hate the question. How are you? And I was like, like blue like, like oh. okay then <laughs> <laughs> okay you hate the question how are you i was like okay well that's a problem for me because i asked that question and i want the answer and so for a while it got stuck at like i want the answer to this question and then it was like okay well why do i want the answer to this question like what is the information that i'm looking for like why am i attached to this why is this on my heart and so i was like okay why do i want this information and i'm like okay i want this information because i care about this person and i also want to be able to interact with whatever is going on with them right now. Like I want that information so that I can interact with them however they are in this moment. And so that's what I said. That was the next conversation. I was like, okay, 
I want this information because I love you. I care about you. And I want to know how you're feeling, how you're thinking, how your day was. So then I can interact with you and connect with you. And they were like, oh, okay, well, I want to do that. And I was like, okay, great. So what can I say? What are the words that can come out of my mouth that will elicit that response? They're a very tactical person. I'm like flinging around things over here. (laughs) They're a very tactical person. And they were like, well, that reminds me of like a status report. Can you just ask me for my status report? And I was like, that is what you want. And that's what gets that information. That is exactly what I will do. And so like literally I will text status report to them and I'll get like this huge like block of messages of just like this is exactly how I am and this is what I'm thinking and this is what I had for lunch and this is what I'm doing later and like I love you and like oh my god <laughs> what a good example like, that is such a good example fascinating it's like it's not compute ask me the status go <laughs> don't ask yeah, me no. how, how I am I'd like status please status <laughs> report you know it's just like an automatic response be like hey how's it going and they're like wait what's your status report and then they'll, it's just like, again, it's just like, and then it's just like words just flow out of them. And I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. It just feeds my soul. And then I can just like interact and connect with you. Yes. And then they're feeling really like heard and understood because you're speaking to them in a language that works. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Did they ever explain like why that question, like why, like why, why they hated it so much? How are you? It's it's such a straightforward. Blowing up your partner's spot. I'm just I'm, I'm just curious. <laughs> I am curious. Yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to say verbatim like what they said, but they were like, "It's just not how are you." Like R is like a way of being. <laughs> this is kind of like an insight into like how their brain works, right? Like R is from am, and am is like a way of being. I am this, so that question doesn't necessarily make sense how are you? Like I am, I just am, I exist. Right. Like that's wow. damn kind of existential. Yeah. yeah. That that like I am. Sense. How are you? I am. <laughs> yeah. That's how I am. <laughs> that's how I am. I'm going to, I'm going to Buddha this shit. And that's how I am. Basically. But no, exactly. Like I'm dating Buddha. The word is out. I'm dating Buddha. So. <laughs> I am so jealous right now. <laughs> I am. Okay, so let's move into these topic here, although all of this is part of it. Yeah. So I want to like talk a little bit, like get clear on some of these definitions, right? There's polyamory and we hear ethical non-monogamy, consensual non-monogamy, we hear lots of things. So can you just break it down a little bit for those that are like confused? Even people that are like ethically non-monogamous sometimes are like, I'm not quite sure what how it all works. So can you just give us a little... Guilty in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So can you give us a little rundown? Yeah, totally. And also kind of just before I even say that is that there are, since terms in the community come up all of the time and there's always different conversations around terms, these are the definitions that are agreed upon to the best of my knowledge right now at this moment on... May 19, 2020, or 2022, excuse me, at 1 p.m. So there you go. Boom. Um, (laughs) Because in like a year, it'll probably change. Because yeah, in like a year, they're going to be like, well, Elizabeth Cunningham thinks da 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 And I'm like, well, I did right now. Okay. (laughs) We evolve. (laughs) We evolve. We evolve. Weird. So uh, to start off with, like, 
kind of the general consensus for the umbrella term for the community is just non-monogamy. And the reason being is taking out the qualifier of like ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy because then therefore it implies that it's not that. However, we can parcel that out and I love having those conversations, but just for right now, we'll just leave it there. So non-monogamy is like the umbrella of all of these things. And non-monogamy is also, it's not even a spectrum. It's like a web, (laughs) you know, like it's a web. It's a lot. And also people who are non-monogamous can have multiple different identities, for lack of a better word, inside of non-monogamy and even in context with the relationships that they're having. Okay. So bringing it down from conceptual land, So an example would be polyamory. So poly at its root, poly is many, amory is love. And so that means many loves. And there's multiple expressions of that. Like if you ask the question, like, what does love mean to you? I mean, you're going to get, if you ask a different person, you get a different answer. So just to say like how many different types of polyamorous relationships there are is how many types of people and how many different people practice polyamory. That's how many types of (laughs) polyamorous relationships there are. And so it really does depend on the context. And there really is no one way to be polyamorous. The way that my personal definition for myself is that I tell people I'm polyamorous because how I want to express love and how I do express love is dependent upon each relationship. And I love to have that that freedom, that autonomy, that creative space between other humans where we can be like, oh, I feel this connection between you and explore what that connection means without it having to go through this kind of like monogamous like relationship escalator where it's like, I feel a connection with you. So therefore we're dating. And since we're dating and we've been dating for a while, now we're more dating seriously. (laughs) And then after dating seriously, quote unquote, for a while, now we're like in this full blown committed relationship, whatever that means. And then now we've been in a committed relationship for a while. So we're engaged and now we're married and there's like this relationship escalator. So the thing that I love about polyamory and being able to express love in whatever organic way it shows up between people is that you get to discover whatever the relationship is between this other person. And maybe that turns, you know, romantic, maybe it turns sexual, maybe it stays platonic, maybe it turns into some like wild spiritual adventure. Like it's just this ability to say like anything's possible here. And what do you want to create? Within that, I find a lot of times that what sometimes impedes that is our conditioning around monogamy and our conditioning around the relationship escalator. Like I have been in several relationships where I feel this pull in my body to, in the past, to be still on the escalator. Like it's just there. Like when Nick and I first open the first couple years and I was in a relationship and it was the first person that I loved outside of my relationship with Nick. And we had been together at this point for about six and a half, seven years. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was in a love triangle 
Like it felt like, and it's funny because I have a client right now who's moving through that as well. I'm like, you're not in a love triangle because you're polyamorous. <laughs> like it's not either or. There's no, you don't have to choose. But there was something inside of me that made me feel like I did. Like I had to choose. And Nick and I were about to get married too. And so we were engaged and our we got married. Our marriage was commitment ceremony. We never signed papers. That was what felt right for us. Um, but still like, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's what we call it. And even that, see, like we have a different name for that. Most people would think it was something else, mm-hmm. right? And so I remember like I'm moving forward with getting married and I love this other man. And I was so confused and torn and there was nothing really to be torn about because I was with both of them and it was okay. But because this was my first experience of that kind of love and, you know, there was lots of trauma in there and attachment stuff and all that good stuff that, you know, mixes for a very messy cupcake. (laughs) (laughs) Because of that, I was so, oh gosh, it was such a mess because I thought I was in a love triangle. Yeah. I mean, language is so important. And, you know, like I was saying inside of non-monogamous umbrella, there's so many terms being created newly all the time. Because I mean, words are amazing and terrible all at the same time. Because it's like words give validation to your experience. It's like, oh my gosh, there's this word. Like I remember the first time that I heard the word polyamorous, I was like, I'm not crazy. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I had no problem being crazy. Like, let's be real. Like, I had no problem being crazy. I was like, whatever, I'm crazy. Like, okay, like I'm having yeah. a good time. Um, <laughs> but it was validating. Like, words are really validating. But also, words for me encapsulate a feeling, and a feeling is so feeling is like the wind. What's the the song from The Sound of Music where she's like, "How do you capture the wind? How do you hold a moonbeam in your hand?" <laughs> That's what that's from. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot grasp it. (laughs) But it's like, but that's what we're trying to do with language is because our experience is so much bigger than our words. But so then sometimes we can get trapped in those words. And so when you don't have, you know, words like polyamorous, when you don't have words like non-monogamy or, you know, even like swinging, right? Relationship anarchy, you know, all of this stuff, then you can get a little bit lost because then, you know, if you don't have a word, then you are, you're like in the air, you're in a moonbeam. You're like, oh, this is amazing, but also really hard to like be grounded in. Mm-hmm. The thing is, we did have the word. Like, I knew I was polyamorous at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we knew. And still, I struggled. And I think in that case, it wasn't because of the word, but I think it was because I was still holding on to all of the monogamy concepts. Yeah, totally. And thank you for drawing me back in because I'm also getting like really ethereal over here. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's good. <laughs> but no, I agree with that. I mean, like it's, I think there's people that are like, I feel this way. I feel attracted to more than one person. And what does this mean? Does it mean I'm a cheater? Does it mean I'm a piece of shit? And so being able to be like, no, like this is perhaps 
could be, and you know, for me, it's more, I like to think of it as like relationship style. Like this is how I'm choosing to be in relationship. Some people think of it as an identity. I am polyamorous. You know, I say I'm polyamorous, but I think of it more as this is how I'm choosing to be in relationships with people. Uh Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that it's whatever works best for you, however you feel best. And also, I mean, we are conditioned to be like, okay, you have to be monogamous. Like that's how I was raised. Like you are either monogamous or you're a cheater. Like those are your options. And so then when I had like you know, multiple attractions for people and multiple attractions to different people. I was just like, Oh my God, like I'm a terrible person. You know, the phrase like, uh, once a cheater, always a cheater. I was like, this is how it must feel to like always, even though I had never cheated on anyone. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I literally never cheated on anyone. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm a cheater. This is how cheaters must feel. This must be why people cheat over and over and over again, because they feel like I do. And uh, so I was just like, there's wow. truth in that. There is some truth in that. There is some truth in that. And, but yeah, but, like that could be. Yeah. Yeah. But I was just like, oh, yeah, no, I'm totally a piece of shit. Like, I'm a terrible human being, obviously. Yeah. And that there's not truth in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that people do cheat because they don't understand that there's another way. And that's what I'm going to clarify that. And when I say there's truth in that, I think there is truth that people feel attracted to other people and they don't know that they don't have to be monogamous. And so they cheat, not all people, some people do it for other reasons. And so I think that's real. And they feel like a piece of shit because they're like, fuck, I can't, this isn't working. Right. Or you want to be someone of integrity, right? Like you want to be someone of integrity. And so, and that was true for me. I was like, I really value integrity and honesty and being like authentic with my partners. And this just, there's something missing here. And that was kind of the beginning of my polyamorous journey was that I finally was just like, okay, like I have to just act on this and I'm going to tell everyone about it. And so I started dating multiple people and I told everyone, like, I was just like, yep, I'm dating multiple people. I'm sleeping with multiple people. Like if you're chill with that, jump on board with me. If you're not chill with that, like, thanks for playing, have a nice life. And so that's kind of how I started. And it really was just like accepting that part of me and like fully embracing that part of me and then doing it in a way that felt authentic in integrity and honest to me and to the people around me as as much as I possibly could at the time. Not saying that I was perfect. I was <laughs> Cost of entry, you cool, you cool. But I, I also get the desire for labeling and like having that belonging. And I also understand the idea of like not wanting to be tied to any kind of kind of label. It all makes sense simultaneously. But for, for me personally, being able to tag it and be like, oh, what, this is what this is. Oh, and this is what this relationship is reflecting. Or this is my common partner. And, you know, this is my, you know, my other partner. It's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, it makes me feel a little more grounded in myself when navigating my relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the ways that like my partners and I have kind of solved for that, at least right now, is like, number one, trying to hold off on labels as long as possible, like trying to get as far into the relationship and like develop whatever it is that we're developing as long as possible without labeling it. And then when we do put, you know, a label on it to like, and it does, it does have that groundedness to it. And then having the conversation like, okay, this is the kind of general label that we're putting on it. And what does that mean to us? What does that mean in our dynamic 
for us? What are we agreeing to with this, you know, thing? And then having those agreements be malleable, like revisiting what that means and then bringing it up when it's like, it doesn't feel as fully in alignment anymore. And then shifting as necessary. Also allowing relationships to be malleable thing. If if the words were mountains and like the actual relationship itself was like a river in the mountains, right? And also this can apply to monogamous and other relating to people Mm -hmm. for sure. Like, yes, like you got to let the waves come within all your relationships. Like it's going to happen. And you have to be understanding that people are going to shift and change. And I think a good majority of human beings, especially when they get married, get lost in this idea that we're going to be the same people when we get married. And it's just like, you're going to have several iterations and variations of your relationship. And if you don't, if you're not getting down with that idea in the beginning, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say for you. Like, I mean, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so, it's so true. And like, oh my gosh, like I had a conversation with my partner the other, my nesting partner the other day, because we've had many conversations about like, neither of us are leaving. No one's going anywhere here. Like, (laughs) we're not going anywhere. Like, and also, we're not going to, let's say 20 years from now, we're not going to be like, oh, well, we have to stay in this. God forbid that this happens, but it's like, if our relationship does get to the point where it really doesn't work for both of us, we're not going to be like, oh, well, remember that one time when we were, you know, 30 years old and we said we'd stay together forever? Well, we have to now. It's like, no, like, we're not going to do that. (laughs) You know, like, if at any point in time, like, again, neither of us are going anywhere, but at any point in time, if we're like, hey, this relationship doesn't serve me, it's not aligned, like, we're both miserable, like, we would be happier you know, without each other, or like, you know, we'd be happier as friends or supporting each other in different ways or whatever that is, then we'll shift to that. And so I don't think that there's anything. And I think that in, you know, deconstructing what relationships should be, that we then have the power and the creativity to allow for relationships to like unfold. It's like a discovery. Like what if your relationships are like presents, like every day, every week, every year where it's like, what is this relationship going to like bring or look like, or like have happened this year? Oh my gosh. Like, what are we open to? (sighs) (laughs) We breathe. Did you breathe? (laughs) So you think that someone thinks they're polyamorous, they know they are, they're starting to enter in. Where do they begin? What do they do? My first suggestion is to ask yourself two questions. So the first question is, why do you feel like you're polyamorous? What is your why? And then what does that mean to you? So for me, if you would have asked 21 year old me, like, why do you feel like you're polyamorous? Like, well, I feel really strong attractions. And I don't mean attraction just as like sexual attraction. I just mean like energetically, I feel really strong attractions to like multiple people all the time. Just like, and I want to explore that. And I fucking love people. And this is so (laughs) much fun. Uh Like, That's why. And it's like, what does that mean to you? And uh, I think that my answer at the time, again, would have been something like, well, it means that it's 
it's a journey, it's an exploration, it's a curiosity, you know, it's something that I want to create ongoingly with the other people that I'm relating with. And then boom, that's exactly what you tell people. You want to know what to tell people when you tell them that you're polyamorous? That, why you're polyamorous and what it means to you. That's it. And then people will filter themselves out from there. Like some people will be like, that sounds really stupid. And you're like, (laughs) okay, great. Well, but like, looks like we're living different lives. Okay, great. Now we know. (laughs) And some people are going to be like, oh my gosh, that's so intriguing. Like, please tell me more about that. And then some people are going to be like, where do I sign up? Oh my God. Like, please, can I buy you a drink or dinner? Or what do, what do you like to do? Let's do that. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I um, that's like my, when I do have my dating profile up, that's what, how, well, we both roll that way. I am like so specific about who I am, what I want, what turns me on, what I like, what kind of person I'm looking for in like the deepest sense possible. <laughs> but, you know, cause right now I'm very happy in where I am with my partners. But when the last time I kind of was open to meeting new people, I was really looking for something that, and this is how I put it. And now I just, I talk, I, I refer to it as my anchor partner, which I find is different from my nesting partner, which we need to get into those definitions a little from, you know, just, I know it's different for every person and it might even be different for the two of us. I was going to say, yeah, I'm so interested that you have nesting partner and anchor partner. I'm so interested in yeah. that. Anyway, continue. So yeah, let me explain that. Yeah. So for me, so when I was looking, and I'm going to say, like, I definitely was like, I'm looking for something a little bit more substantial right now. That's what it felt like for me. And what that meant, though, was I would like to be in relationship with someone where our lives are really shared, where we, and what that means is we, you know, we talk every day, whether it's text message or if they have children, I eventually, and I'm in no rush for that, but I eventually meet their children. Like we engage in the fabric of each other's lives. That's how I write it because I'm a writer. I like to be poetic, but, (laughs) but you know, we engage in each other's lives. That's the thing. Like in some ways that's a little bit more of a traditional way that people think of when they think of relationships and I'm never going to move in with you. You know, we're not going to get married. Like those things aren't going to happen. And so for me, that's an anchor partner is someone that I have consistent connection and contact with. I see them on a regular basis, at least like once a week or so, maybe more. I meet your people and you meet mine eventually again, no rush, but we're integrated in each other's lives in a way that feels good for both of us. And a nesting partner is all of those things, but we just also live together. And those are my specific kind of definitions that just feel really good for me. And I put those out there when that's what I'm looking for, because I like to be really clear. Because for me, a lot of times, like just right now where I'm in my life and the level of kind of stability and safety that I need in relationships, things that are a little more casual, playful, just aren't, won't serve me right now. You know, Nick's very different. Like Nick oftentimes is open to all different kinds of relationships. But for me right now, I know what I need. And I hope that in time that I'll be able to expand myself to more. (laughs) You gotta do what feels right. You gotta do what Um, feels right. I coined the term thoughtful casual. Like that's like that, that feels right to me. And in this moment, that's what my energy is. It's just yeah. like, I, and what is that? What does that mean? Thoughtful casual to me is operating and connecting with people and basically I, I give offering care and thoughtfulness within the interaction itself, be it 
intimate or like sexual, mm-hmm. any any form. But like checking in and periodically sending a text message, like not like being like inundated with like a whole mm-hmm. bunch of like you know stuff or feel like like I need to maintain like this like over time. It's more it's way more light and just mm-hmm. like thoughtful. And you communicate that. And you communicate. And I can, I it's still loving. That. Yes. And that's the thing. People think that in order to be loving or thoughtful, that it means that you're in like a full-blown relationship. I don't want them to catch feelings. I don't want them to think I'm like, you know, and it's like, well, no, you can be loving and thoughtful and all of those things. And the relationship doesn't have to be, you know, one that I just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's why there's terms like comet partner, right? Where it's just like your partner comes around every once in a while. And like, and I feel like I have a ton of friendships like that, you know, where it's just like, you don't see them for like weeks, months, like even years, but then like, you just pick it right back up. And like, that's totally okay. And like, if you have, you know, a sensual relationship with that person or a sexual relationship, or even a romantic relationship with that person, why not have that be that way? I don't know. Like if it works for both of you, if if it fills both of your cup, why not? Exactly. Yes. As long as it works for both of you, that's the thing. Got to be in alignment. It got to be in alignment. Alignment (laughs) is the most important thing. Like there's so many variations. You check in with each other. What's your bag? Yeah, this is my bag. Hmm. Could that work? Yeah. And they were good. But like, <laughs> don't be like, don't like be passive about it. Like, well, I said that yesterday. No, you said maybe. And then, <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I said. And that just, that defines everything I was talking about. Duh. <laughs> like, no, you got to talk it out. <laughs> and so Elizabeth, what are your, those definitions like seem similar for you? Or like, what's your kind of take on nesting partner, anchor partner? We explain what Comet is. So, and I also say this too, like I often use these terms really only on social media just to like make it cleaner to talk about polyamory in my relationships. So the terms that I use on social media are nesting partner, play partner, and long distance love for my current constellation of partners. And what that means to me is my nesting partner and I, uh, we live together nesting. We have the commitment to be together indefinitely. I don't think with nesting partners that that is necessary as far as like in a definition of nesting partner, but that's just, you know, us right now. And then play partner. So I use the term play partner again on social media, but we've actually like played with different like words that would like feel good for us. The one that we came up with where it was just like, oh, that is it is Kinky soul partner. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> kinky soul partner. That's a subset. All on song. I want <laughs> a kinky soul partner. Whoever is listening in the universe. This, this is an advertisement right now. I'm going like, to get hit up. Don't hit me up. It just tries, you just oh, you, you opened it up. I, I was, was like, talking, what is she? I was She's talking to the universe. Right I was talking to the universe. Okay. okay. Everyone listening. <laughs> get out of my DMs. <laughs> You know how men are. <laughs> like, who says I want a man? I know, as a but set, men, kinky men, a soul gonna, partner. A man gonna take that and be like, "Oh, Just word, saying. let me up." What's up? <laughs> I like your hair. <laughs> I will never respond to hi or sexy or hey, what's up ever. So there we go. Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah, no, can we just, okay, pause, pause and tangent. If you just say hi with little wavy thing or like hello or like hello beautiful or hello sexy or your eyes are beautiful or, you send or whatever the fuck you're saying. Or any kind of body pic. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 
I'm not going to respond to you. Ever. Ever. On, <laughs> on DMs, in Instagram, on OkCupid, like, no. <laughs> like, never. Like, under any circumstances. Thank you. Ever. Ever. Okay, that, let that sink in, that those that work. are listening. <laughs> that doesn't work? I'm like, who does this I work for? Well, who are you messaging this to? That does work flat, for. That's a flash. Okay, anyway, I, we digress. <laughs> so what Kinky Soul Partner is specifically to me, and obviously, again, that could look different ways to different people. Please steal that term because it's fucking awesome. I'm stealing it. <laughs> I will give you credit. <laughs> Thank you. I'll get a little TN on it. <laughs> But what that means to us is that we, I mean, like we've known each other for like years and years and years. We started out actually as colleagues and then we were friends and then we were dating for a while, but didn't work out. And then we just went back to friends. And then like our relationship has been so fluid and like, we're just, I don't know, we're soulmates, you know, in, in the way that like our souls just connect. And also we do amazing, fun, like kinky BDSM scenes together. Yes. So that's it's a fitting awesome. title. It's you like know? the best title ever. <laughs> <laughs> so kinky soul partner. And then long distance love is the other term that I use. And that's pretty self-explanatory. I feel like they are long distance and I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love them. I love all of that. I think it's beautiful. And I think it just speaks to, again, like, as long as you explain what you mean, you can do what you want. Yeah. As long as everyone's on the same page and we, you know, are agreed and, and are clear, you can engage however floats your boat, get your pussy wet, like whatever works for you. Yeah. Get your cock hard, get your heart big, get your soul aflame, like literally, like, However, <laughs> gave all those different iterations. Yeah. You have to be able to find your own normal within your relationships. Mm -hmm. Be it open, be it monogamous. It's just, just talk it out and make sure you're on the same page, people, human beings. <laughs> Seriously. And so, <laughs> kinky soul partners, what can you expect? Nick and I have very tangible thoughts about this, but what can you expect at the beginning of your journey of polyamorous? You're like, yes, this is me. I feel connected to this. Either I am polyamorous. I want this relationship model. I always say the first two years <laughs> are a hot mess. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, no, my first response is like upheaval yes. and chaos. Okay, we're all on the same page. Because people are like, it's been six months. And I'm like, oh, no, no, keep going. <laughs> you need more time. You need more time marinating that. So why? Going. Keep just one, one foot in front of the other. Like, you're going to be okay. It's okay that everyone's telling you you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay that people are throwing doubt at you. It's okay that you don't know exactly what you want. It's okay that you don't know all the definitions. It's okay that you haven't read all the books. Like, it's okay that you've, you know, been a super slut in the past. It's okay that you've never slept with anyone ever before. It's okay that you don't want sex at all. It's okay. It is okay. Wherever you're starting, it is okay. You're okay. It's okay. And it's also okay that it's upheaval and chaos. <laughs> and Elizabeth, why? Why do you think it's, I mean, I know why it's okay. And that's so, thank you for that affirmation, you know, and, and for reiterating it, because I think a lot of times we really need to hear that. Like I felt that in my nervous system, right? 
But why do you think that it is so often? Because I mean, I've over and over again, I see this in people I've dated that are just starting out clients, us, like, you know, I, I see this again and again, that yeah, it is chaos and upheaval. Why? Why is it chaos and upheaval? It's a shift in your reality. That's why polyamory is so transformative for people. That's why people are like, oh my God, I've learned so much. Like I'm a totally different person. Like everyone should at least try polyamory, at least for like the self-development and growth that you (laughs) get out of it, you know, because it is a shift in your reality. It is not a, oh, I'm going to try this new thing. It is like, I am breaking from the reality that I've been taught my entire life. Like it is not a small venture that you are going into. And I think that you should treat it with like the reverence and the sacredness that it is and embrace the chaos. And like, luckily I am someone who just already embraces (laughs) chaos. Like I'm all about it. Like, I'm just like, yeah, shit's fucking weird. Like, let's go. (laughs) Bring it. (laughs) Bring it on. The more challenging, the better. My poor, poor mother. Um, (laughs) I love you, mom, so much. She's at it again. (laughs) I made this joke one time because I'm also queer, right? And so the first time that I came out to my family and I was telling, okay, long story short, like I'm not going to go into it, but I was telling the woman at the DMV this story. So that's where I was. Um, <laughs> Get that person. Let me tell you my life story real quick. Check this out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait, real quick sidebar on that. I've also had like connections at the DMV. It is possible people to have connections anywhere. You just have to open yourself up to it. Totally anywhere. Totally. Okay. Anyway, so I'm having this ridiculous conversation with this woman at the DMV and uh, I was talking about how I had just come out to my family and she knew that my family was from Nebraska at this point because, you know, obviously we're best friends. (laughs) (laughs) And so she knew that my family was from Nebraska. And so I was talking about how I had just come out as queer and she was like, oh my God, how did that go? And uh, I was like, well, you know, I'm someone who calls my mom and is like, hey mom, I just decided that I'm going to try and live in Spain. Hey mom. I, you know, just got on, you know, I bought a plane ticket with this guy that I just met two days ago and we're going to go to Amsterdam. <laughs> hey, mom, you know, and so it's like, so when I called and was like, hey, mom, I'm dating, you know, a female. She's like, oh, my God, thank God. Okay, good. Oh. Something that's kind of chill and stable. Amazing. <laughs> thank goodness. My word. Because, you know, women, they, they, are, they are way more grounded than <laughs> Just, just praying for it. Just quietly sitting back. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, thank goodness. Okay, you're just gay. This is fine. Gay, we, I can we deal can with. <laughs> you traipsed yeah. around Amsterdam with a stranger. That's a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> you said that. And I used to, my eyes were just like, what? By the way, that's a totally different story for a different podcast. We are, yeah, part two. Damn, there's so much more to talk about. I think the last thing, just kind of wrap that up, is that for those people who don't embrace chaos like I do, just know that the chaos is okay and that you can just take it one step 
at a time and that there's no race. There's no like, you need to be this way by this time. It is truly, truly, truly your journey. So allow the chaos to be okay. Take it one step at a time and get help. Don't try to do it by yourself. Have community, have a therapist, have a coach, you know, get outside resources. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. And I think one thing I want to add to that is start to get comfortable being uncomfortable, being in that discomfort. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes when people want, the reason why people want to move it along so quickly is because they feel uncomfortable as all hell. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I just want to get to a place where everything's just like, okay, and everything's even. And, you know, it's just like familiar. And, you know, you do get to that place a lot of times and then there might be another upheaval, right? It's because relationships are happening and then there might be ending and or they might be shifting. And when you have multiple partnerships, a lot of times those things can happen. Mm-hmm. But I think that, yeah, like get comfortable with the chaos or get comfortable with having times where your edges are pushed and that it's okay. And this is growth. Exactly. Like that's what growth is. That's why I'm saying like embrace it because like, who you're going to be on the other side of this, like you have no idea. Like you can't even imagine. Like we're sitting here, you know, like I'm 12 years into this, you know, y'all are six, seven, I, yeah. Six, six, I was six at yeah, six, seven years into this. So it's just like just the fact that like I'm, you know, started at 21 and now 33, like just the age thing, like in itself. But just like the growth and like the moving through challenges, you're like, oh yeah, I can handle anything. Like I totally got this, you know, and it also helps you grow as a partner as well, because yeah, things are going to happen. I mean, like I had a tough conversation with my nesting partner yesterday and I was terrified to have that conversation. Like it doesn't go away. Like being terrified of having tough conversations does not go away. But I also knew like I have a track record of being able to have tough conversations and I know how to move through them. And so I was, even though I was terrified, I was also confident going into that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that. Like you get them, that muscle was strong with that muscle. As I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. The muscle. <laughs> <laughs> the polyamorous relationship muscle. muscle. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hang out on your podcast so I can watch how cute you are all the time. Uh, Yay. (laughs) Blush, blush, blush. Blush, blush. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're literally blushing. (laughs) Okay, so let's move on to the rapid fire questions. Fire. Oh, is that our is that our rapid fire? That that was just a tester, so I think we'll have some some music. (laughs) Rapid fire. We could just go. I love it. it. That reminds me, that makes me think that we're on safe by the bell. Okay. Something that makes you belly laugh. Oh my God. Almost everything. <laughs> You've got to pick one. <laughs> I laugh all the time. I'm like, okay, almost everything slash I love stand up comedy. Yeah. I like that too. Okay, great. When do you feel most vulnerable? Oh my gosh. When I'm asking for help. Wildest place you've ever had sex of any kind. It was a restroom on a campground, Italy. I think that's amazing. (laughs) Part of the why it's weird is because I'm actually not sure if I was in Italy or France. (laughs) 
Can I ask, was it like someone like a local that you met or was it with, with like someone that you were with already? It was on this tour and it was with someone who was also on the tour. Yes. So I had, okay. yeah. So I had known him for like a week. <laughs> well, yeah. That's a fair amount of time yeah. to make that judgment in terms of being like, mm-hmm, do I want to fuck this person in the bathroom? <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've seen your shower habits. <laughs> I know your hygiene. Yeah. Like, I think we're good. All right. <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what would it be? I think about this on a regular basis. And I always come back to the same answer. This is the first time I'm not going to have this answer. So I used to always answer. I would like endow people with happiness, just like like happiness. (laughs) And I actually shifting that to, I would endow people with the confidence and empowerment to move through whatever it is they need to move through in life. I love that. Yeah, I like that too. That's really sweet. That's nice. Okay, now let's move on. If you could have a threesome or more with two beings, and I say this because this could be like mythical creatures. This could be a famous person that we know. This could be a cartoon character. I usually throw Gumby in there some ways for some reason. Um, I did. I did. So anything is possible. Who would it be? Um, This is just going to show like I see myself like part of the beingness inside of me is like I've always really oh, what's connected with like forest nymphs. Yes. Right. Ditto. And so I'm going to answer this question in a weird way. I would be a forest nymph be able to be like part of the moss and the undergrowth of the forest and then have my lovers like make love to me as I am like the moss and the growth. Oh my God. You're speaking to so much right now. I'm like, oh my God. So I had a friend when I was younger, not like kid younger, maybe like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And she told me, and I truly still believe this, that fairies live in moss. So when you said that, I was like, yes, because that's where the fairies live. Mm-hmm. Fairies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, and, and when I say like making love, you know, I feel like we think of sex as penetration mm-hmm. and like, and so it wouldn't be that it would be like the, it's like those like waves of orgasm. If anyone who's listening to this has ever had an energetic orgasm where it's that, where it's like those like rolling waves of pleasure as like my lovers like play with the moss and like dance on top of me. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds so yummy. I love <laughs> everything about that. Yeah, I got an immediate vision of like just like one of the lovers just be like, just like smelling it. the nose. Deep, and it's like, like, yeah, and like brushing her face on it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Paint some pictures, yo. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would also like to add, because this other episode will probably have gone through by now. Nick and I did a solo episode, just the two of us. And he asked me this question. And the first thing that came to mind was a unicorn. And Nick was like, wait, what? And I was like, okay, everyone, first of all, I'm not into bestiality. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But you said mythical creature. I so said mythical like, creature. And and I said, who said sex has to be penetrative, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so I was like, I will 
ride on the unicorn and I forget who I was having sex with. I might've been Gumby. Um, but it might've but I was like on the unicorn and the <laughs> unicorn was like part of the threesome, right? Or maybe it was a fairy. I don't remember, but it feels in line with the mythical moss nymph world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with it. Yes. That's amazing. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. And then if I could like transform back into like my nymph, form afterwards and then just like obviously, obviously. and then uh, just like be showered by a waterfall oh you win the prize well, for best threesome ever or or just orgy or whatever it doesn't have to be like the sky's gal it's kind of like a mythical forest orgy a little bit yes. mythical forest orgy can yes. that be the title of this <laughs> the sun settings like orange and purple so the sky's like, like a galaxy and the, the waterfalls like sparkling and it's just like <laughs> And the wings are, are popping and there's like bits of moss here and there. I got you. You were like, this yeah. is weird. We're like, no, it's not. That was, that was, this not hard. Is it's not hard for me at all to like. No, I'm there. To paint. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. My people, my people. Right? <laughs> we could keep going for hours. Oh, Elizabeth, this has been such a joy. And I feel like we've just had so many amazing conversations here about our own point of views around things. And I think that that's really the theme of, of this is that that's it. Like you can do you and just express it and communicate it. You know, there might be some people that are like, oh yeah, I need some support in this. And so where can people find you? What's the best way? Yes, beautiful. All right. I am redoing my website at the making of this podcast interview, but you can still book me via my website. Right now, what I'm doing is group coaching. And I also have a self-guided course as well. And I also do speaking engagements. So if you are someone who is like, oh my God, I want Elizabeth to come talk to my organization. I also do that as well. And we're going to give you all the names and everything at the end. We're going to put pop all of that in at the end of this. So you don't have to worry about telling like the Instagram handles and stuff. Okay, cool. It's on my website. And then you can also reach me through my Instagram. And yeah, Elizabeth's Instagram is great. Like you give so much, such good advice and like you pull like questions from your community. It's amazing. And so make sure we'll give you all the socials. Also, it's going to be in the show notes too. So make sure that if you need support, because you really don't have to do this alone and it's really helpful. It can be helpful to have someone. So yeah, please don't. hit up Elizabeth for some polyamory love. Thank you, Elizabeth. This has been so wonderful. It's appreciated. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. You two are such a delight. I am just beaming with joy. And I got to talk about my magical, like, fairy nymph fantasy. I'm like, what is happening in my life right now? This is so good. That's full support. And I want to, I want to mirror back. You do this when like, you're really, really excited. So right back at you. Thanks so much. She, we're so. <laughs> We're on the podcast, everyone. <laughs> so what's happening? Oh, what's happening right my now? My hands are on my cheeks. Elizabeth has done this several times when she's been elated. So, boom. Hands on cheeks. Hands on cheeks. Right, I got you. Oh, my God. What a goddamn light. <laughs> it's so wonderful. Elizabeth. Oh. <laughs> you guys, we just, like, talked to her another, like, 20 minutes after. <laughs> We're all. This gap, like, we know each other for, for years. ages. Yeah, Aww. yeah. I'm in a lot of comfort and ease there. That's rare, and that's, that's lovely. I love when that happens. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? That's what I love about, about connection mm-hmm. <laughs> is that, you know, and we talked about this a little, like, when we were talking about thoughtful casual, like, you don't have to be in this, like, 
deeply committed relationship with someone, to be thoughtful to them, to have a like a connection with them. Nope. And you can have a connection with someone right away that you just meet, you know, and that's a beautiful thing to foster. You know, it needs mm-hmm. to be fostered, right? It's possible. And that's one of the reasons why I love doing this is mm-hmm. to create connections and maybe collaborations, whether yeah. it's in work or just like in life. Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's, oh, we, yeah, we talked about such good things. Oh, so many good things. I so mean, many solid moments. I hope you guys took notes because... <laughs> There was, I mean, we, we went in, we gave some information. I feel like we were doing some coaching in there. Yeah, like we, it was... we could have easily, easily just turned into a part two and have an additional conversation and have, yes. have more to discuss, but just, yeah. Well, we decided we're BFFs forever, so it's probably going to be a part two. You know, she lives in Seattle. would be the long distance base. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for listening. Follow Elizabeth at E-L-Z Cunningham. That's E-L-Z-C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M on both Instagram and Twitter. And check out her website at ElizabethAnnCunningham.com. That's A-N-N for Anne. Follow me at sexually underscore liberated on Instagram. And check out my website at BrittanyPolacastro.com. And now we're on Twitter. Check us out at KTablePodcast. Follow me at Nick Anthony Photo on Instagram and check out my website at nickantony.com. That's A N T O N Y. There is no H. Editing by Audionauts. Music by Greta Hopmer. And please like, subscribe, and follow this podcast. If you're feeling generous, leave us a review. They really help. And five stars if you're feeling really generous. <laughs> please share this podcast with someone who you think might love it. Help us spread the kitchen table love, y'all. Hmm, until next time.